0: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Series E. I'm Shoshana Swell, and this is where founders raise their Series E round of experience. Today's episode is so special. It's with one of my friends named Ania, who's the founder and CEO of Eco. And it was just so amazing to to be in this space, even if it's virtual, and share these ideas and share these stories again, because I haven't recorded um, any episodes since August which has been a long time, and I I have one more pre-recorded episode to come that is just so special to me. But it's crazy to be back and listening to ideas and helping to also grow other people's stories and craft them in a way that highlights them and really just elevates everything they're doing. So I'm so just grateful to have this place to speak about these ideas and also challenge you to find someone to speak about one of your new ideas or just elevate someone else's new idea, whether that's commenting on their Instagram or hyping them up in any way. Just a reminder to do that. Um, So the episode today is with Ania, who's the founder and CEO of Eco, which is a crowdsourced platform that's fighting to slow language death with the help of machine learning. So we met as interns in summer of 2019 at Facebook, when we were product design interns, and, we just, we didn't even get to hang out a ton because of the timeline of, um, and the overlap, but I just instantly connected with Ania and we have stayed in touch and I'm so happy we get to be in this space together and share all these stories. So also I got to see Ania in person, um, about a month ago at an outdoor dance class. So, who? huh? <laughs> gotta remember how to speak on this um, <laughs> I just like forgot to breathe that's okay so <laughs> we went to um, a dance class in like San Francisco Bay Area um, which was so special we got to raise our Series E together and it was just so much fun and this conversation I'm just so grateful I got to have with Anya and I was just so happy to be there and I hope you enjoy listening to it as well um, so let me tell you about Anya. So Ania Essien is a recent Stanford grad and is the co-founder and CEO of ECO, a crowdsourced platform that's fighting to slow language death with the help of machine learning. A first-generation Nigerian-American, she's intimately aware of the pain and problems brought by language death, which claims a new language every 14 days, disproportionately affecting people of color. She hopes to create products that are exciting, accessible, and rooted in elevating marginalized communities shall we get into the episode we're live <gasps> we're live wow okay i'm just gonna get right into it even though i probably like sh- should be rehearsing my head like what do i say first but let's just jump into it let's okay just do it. welcome let's talk. to series <laughs> this is so Thank exciting you. i'm so excited to have you and learn more about everything that you've built and yes welcome Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. It's
1: been really cool uh, seeing all the cool people that have been on Series E and getting to be inspired by all of their experiences. So I'm really excited that you're having me here to share mine.
0: Oh, thank you. Okay, wait, before we, need, before we jump into anything, I feel like we need to discuss like how we met and that whole evolution. Yes. So where did it all begin?
1: Where did it all begin? So my first, honestly, my first memories of getting to know you were seeing you running this is my spaceship around the time that we were starting youtube yes. <laughs> oh my god no
0: i just love spaceship me. i love it
1: this is my spacesuit but yeah. i remember i think that like i saw this campaign that you were doing before i actually met you and i was like oh my god this person is so cool and they built into like this incredible moment in history and they're what? inspiring people and it's also just beautiful beautiful clothing that i wanted and <laughs> I have <laughs> so i was just like already fangirling before i got to know you and then what? i remember we met on the roof of i don't think i think it was facebook building 20 and oh, we just had that little yes, that good. little lunch and it was like your energy was incredible and
0: yes yeah, oh that's my, God. my first memories yeah my memory okay so we, we were in the same like intern class this was summer in yes. 2019 and summer 2019. Um, because you had started later and this is a key fact like you were the first person i think i ever met from that went to stanford i was like <gasps> oh. she's so smart. <laughs> I can't no. handle this so I was like wow and then you had started um I think a month later or something in the second class yeah So then I was
1: the, yeah I was in my actually I think I was in my like own class with like two people because I was just coming off of studying in South Africa so what? I arrived a little late where were yeah, you yeah I was in Cape Town
0: wait did we talk about this because I was in Cape Town the episode <laughs> before this is about a founder in Cape Town
1: oh my Last? gosh wait, that's so cool wait okay I'm gonna have to go there? back when were you in Cape Town Summer twenty. Oh, and we talked about this very briefly. We had okay. We talked about this very briefly, and um, yeah, we talked about this very briefly, and but yeah, I was just coming out of South Africa, and I literally like had like this crazy, crazy journey from South Africa, stopped in Spain, got a visa to go to Nigeria, got from Nigeria to America, and it was all of that, and then Facebook,
0: and then that's crazy. you. Wow, yeah. that's so cool! I have such a close connection to Cape Town. We probably have discussed over and over again. But that's where, like, I thought of like the initial thing of like raising my series E. I went to the in there in the summer to just experience, put myself in a, a completely new situation, which is that's incredible. Wow, we're I so aligned. That. I, I love so this. So aligned. And then, <laughs> yeah, and basically, well, we're also reunited um, in the same place where you first told me about eco. Which is crazy. Yes. You were t- you we had a Zoom call together in the summer. Yes, we did. We,
1: we caught up over the summer and I remember sharing the fact that all of this was happening and just getting to like swap energy and stories with you. Yes. And then we reunited was it was it last month, but at the dance class. Did you get the email for the dance class? Yeah. yeah I just watched the video and yeah, it the was videos. so cute. Yeah, those just came out. So <laughs> Maybe that was we'll post our them
0: to Instagram.
1: Yes, I think we should. But I'm also low-key embarrassed because I'm not a very good dancer. (laughs) But yes, I'm You're amazing. I'll
0: get your approval. But just to let everyone know, we raised our Series E before we could officially raise our Series E on this podcast. So it's important. We're very lucky we got to be in the same place.
1: That was really beautiful. It was really exciting.
0: Yay! Okay, we need to jump into the seed round. So this is kind of the first kind of set of... Things we want to know about you, and really just set the foundation for what you've built, where you're from, and everything. So, um, and your idea is very tied, and what you build is very tied to where you're from. So, I'd love to know um, kind of about where you're from and how that um, started your initial idea for Eco.
1: Absolutely. Um, So, I guess a little bit about me. I am a first-generation Nigerian American. I am from a state in Nigeria called Kwayabum State, and I am from the village of Uyo, although it's now a township, not a village. But um, mm. my native language is baby and I think that, well, uh, starting a little bit earlier, my parents immigrated to the United States from Nigeria right before I was born. So it's kind of been a really interesting upbringing, kind of playing around with both cultures, Nigerian and American. But one of the things that I've always really wanted to reconnect to that's been a struggle has been language. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it's a struggle that's pretty common for a lot of people who immigrate to the United States, but trying to figure out what's the right balance of home and the new world, and how do I help my kids to do best in this new country. So, um, with that, my parents were pretty busy. They were balancing a lot of things, and I didn't learn my native language. Um, That was also for the sake of helping me to have an easier, easier upbringing in America. But mm-hmm. as we kind of got a little bit older, we started to really, all of us started to understand like, the value of language and culture and holding on to that piece of yourself, even in this American context. So my childhood was a, was a, it was a really interesting mix of cultures, but also one thing that I always remember was having notebooks upon notebooks of uh, words and translations and sentences in a bibio and my parents trying to like revamp this part of our culture within me and my brother. Wow. But um it was always really really hard. Never really stuck. We got a couple phrases here and there, but one of the things that was the most challenging was not really having the network to participate in community with. So like couldn't mm-hmm. really talk to your friends. Our only real connect was our family. And then on top of that, there was just not any resources for us to like interact with to bolster our skills. Um So you couldn't really just, like, look up how to say this or how to say that or how to teach yourself the language. So that was kind of – it's been a lifelong struggle trying to get back to home, trying to get back to language and culture. Um, When COVID hit, I had to leave Stanford University a little bit early to finish my last quarter, but I was also doing my product design capstone. And um, at first I was working in – plastic elimination single-use plastic elimination but while I was at home I was living with both of my grandmas one of them doesn't speak English and we had like this like really intimate moment where she was like um basically trying to tell me it, learn a bibio. I want to be able to like speak to you I want to be able to connect to you and that's oh, wow. kind of always been like this like life journey trying to embrace that I've been going through but when I was home I was like you know what like this is the time, the world is crazy, when am I ever going to learn this, how am I ever going to connect, I can't just keep pushing this down the line, not that I wanted to, but just I need to change something about the way that I'm learning because these notebooks, these notebooks of words here and there isn't working. So that's kind of like the origin story of why language and culture has been so important to me and how I got to the realization that this is what I wanted to work on. Um Wow. March is when I kind of started thinking, okay, if I want to learn this language, how do I actually make it happen? How do I take it from just a dream and like a hope and like an intention to like a real thing? And I realized I couldn't learn the language because I am now thinking in a structured way. Uh, Basically, for language and language learning and language acquisition, there's a natural learning process beneath the age of like zero to six where... Um, language comes naturally. You just pick it up, you hear it, and it just integrates with you. And I believe it's by um, age 12 that you can no longer create new sounds. So wow. as you kind of also come into like formal education, your mind kind of needs to have a little bit more system in order to comprehend language. You relate what you know to like, or what you're learning to what you know. So um, in order to learn the language, I needed to actually have like a formal way of learning. And that just didn't mm-hmm. exist for a baby and doesn't exist for a lot of uncommon languages. So, step one was you need to have stuff to put into it. With a lot of these yeah. uncommon languages, there's also a lack of documentation. Um, sometimes it's because you come from rich oral histories. Sometimes it's just because people didn't have the chance to. Sometimes factors like colonialization and westernization deprioritize the preservation of our languages and our cultures. So, mm. needed to face two pieces of a problem. Number one was... I don't know how to learn a language without having a structure. Number two was just I don't have anywhere to begin. There's no content for me to even begin to like build out a structure with. So that's kind of how the idea of eco came into play. Realizing that part of why it's hard to do all the documentation nowadays is just that it's expensive. It's expensive mm-hmm. to have a team that goes to a country and spends forever trying to uh, document the language, integrate and find all the little pieces of the language, put it together, build a lexicon, takes years. It's really complicated work. Um, And I realized maybe this is a chance to actually apply machine learning and AI, all the little fun stuff that you kind of get exposed to at Silicon Valley and in Stanford, to try and apply these skills to a problem that's really dear to heart. So that's the long story of how we got (sighs) to the idea of using machine learning to preserve uncommon languages.
0: That's amazing. And it's it's so cool to also hear about how like this is something that you've been thinking about your whole life, this balance also between culture and language and how eventually there was this one point where like you felt this calling like I need to create this and I need to do it now. And I think that's just that's very special and it's it's so impactful to have that moment because it brings so much momentum into what you're creating. So I looks like you. I'm learning this. Yeah. I, we're going to dive deep into like what the <laughs> machine learning aspect is, how eco works soon. We're just kind of yes. learning more about your story and everything to begin with. But it, I'm just so excited to learn more. And it's such a special story and special product that I'm just the biggest fan of. I can't wait Thank for it to you. officially launch and everything. So Thank just you. now, <laughs> just know. But when I when I first met you, you were also talking about Stanford. And I was I was asking you about kind of like what the entrepreneurship scene is. um, What's it like there? And you like use some phrase that like everyone's walking around with like, what is it the the duck? This is going to be so wrong. The duck. Oh, the duck syndrome.
1: The duck syndrome. Yeah. So like it's kind of a duck syndrome. So basically duck syndrome is like this like thing that like. I think it exists in a lot of places, but, like, specifically, like, a warning they give you about the culture, where everything seems like it's, like, fine and, like, cool and smooth on Hmm. the surface, but, like, secretly, everyone's, like, paddling underground and trying to, like, or underwater, and trying to figure out, like, how do I, like, seem calm, seem cool, but also, like, work really hard and, like, keep the world together, and, like, everyone's just, like, has a lot on their shoulders, basically, but uh, self-influenced, but um, kind of, yeah, everyone's everyone's trying really hard to do really cool things all the time and that's kind of cool yeah. but it also has its um its dangerous sides
0: yeah so I remember like talking about this and I just wanted to know like whether like kind of more about your story and learning about entrepreneurship and when you kind of um thought this might apply it to you or any like Kind of stories from your childhood that that led to you founding your own company because i think everyone has such a just unique story and especially when you're at stanford and there's there's so much uh like there's so many ducks around you know chasing yeah. new ideas yeah <laughs> i'm using this metaphor too much and i really just <laughs> didn't understand it to begin with um but yeah i'm curious ducks. your experience with entrepreneurship
1: yeah so i guess that's a that's a really cool question because it's kind of something that kind of has played a role in my life Always, but not in a way that was super direct, and honestly it ties to how I chose my major. But mm-hmm. um, I guess the thing about me is that I've always been like super creative, super high energy, super trying to do all the things at once. Yes. Um, when I was a little kid, I would always like try and put on like these like extravagant like shows and like have tickets and all of that, and like grew up started doing like all these like fancy dinners with like menus and stuff. But I would always have like a, I was always like a really like big picture, big production type of person. Um, My first touch with entrepreneurship, though, although I didn't even view it as that, was when I was around the age of 12, and I had gotten crazy into baking. So I was baking something every single day i was making like cookies cupcakes creme brulee scones anything and everything but it got to the extent that my family absolutely could not deal with the amount of baked goods (laughs) that i was baking and they were like you can't do this you need to number one clean up but you number two need to figure out who's going to be eating your stuff so i was like but i'm just baking cookies but they're like no no, this does not cut it. So I realized I, I just loved baking. So I started a little business that was called Sweet Sensations, where um I would sell my little baked goods to the to the hospital. My dad worked at the hospital; he was a surgeon. Um, I would, wow. but if I was basically like come around and like sell my cookies and my cakes and my scones to the people that were in the hospital, and um, and it really took off. People were really excited to have fresh baked goods, and I would come around with my dad and deliver them. And I think that one thing that was really cool about that experience was just, like, getting to see the way that, like, doing this thing with my hands could impact people and, Mm -hmm. like, forge, like, a relationship and, like, forge a memory in a way that was, like, really cool and really meaningful. Um, So that was a really fun run. I made a lot of friends at the hospital that
0: I loved dearly.
1: Yeah, it was was really cool. Thank you. That's so
0: special. Yeah, and also you're just, like, one of the most creative, like, you're the one of the most great <laughs> person I know like ever and even like this I summer I, like, I, <laughs> I was thinking of all the different things that you do and like you were um you had like a live concert over quarantine where you were making music and you're a songwriter and you you're, you produce your music like it's the coolest thing ever to kind of tie Thank all you. these different experiences to what you're doing now and whatever is to come next it's very very exciting to watch
1: Thank you very much. No, it's yeah. really fun. I think it's honestly the only way that I'm staying sane right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like Agreed. putting things out and like experiencing the world. I think I'm an experienceaholic.
0: aholic uh-huh, I love you. that. <laughs> We're totally Oh, that. and this is Series E. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I didn't even put that together until you did, and I'm the one hosting this podcast. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> no, That's I just am inspired by your experience
1: Your experience among, your experience, experience cultivating an Ecosystems. I love that. I'm totally yeah. gonna use that. Thank you for the idea. I'll I'll yes. send you over
0: a contract later for some trademark Please info so do. I can steal that.
1: <laughs> Definitely. I'm very serious about my business.
0: <laughs> okay. To jump into like, can we get like a brief overview of what Eco is and how it works? I'm sure we'll dive into like kind of the initial idea and how it's built. Um, but just for the ooh, there goes the microphone. Just hit it. <laughs> just for the seed round, can we can we get a baseline overview of what Eco is? What yeah.
1: Super high level. Super high level, um, Eco is a crowdsourced platform to teach and preserve uncommon languages using machine learning. Um, basically, we have a three-step process. I won't go too deep, but um, like I said, the problem is kind of broken into two pieces. Number one, there's just a lack of documentation in uncommon languages. And number two, there's not really a place that you can learn or participate in community once you do mm. have the data. So um, with a three-piece process where d- gathering stories and documenting stories from people who speak uncommon languages, both in like English, but also in the uncommon language. And then we're going to be using these stories and the sentences and translations that they use within our app to kind of translate and like build out a documentation and a repository of information in the uncommon language and uncommon culture. Um, once we have wow. that translation, then we're going to use those translations to build out a lesson similar or lessons similar to a most other learning language like Duolingo, etc. But um, the difference that we're really trying to push into is that we want to have a culture-driven experience. Um, the reason why we really prioritize this is that um, for speakers of uncommon languages, especially when there's not too many people speaking them, it's not just about learning the words and it's not just about having like, a new way of like communicating. But it's also about connecting to like yourself, connecting to your root, connecting to your family. It's about wanting to have a deeper connection to something that means something super personal to you, even if it's not your mm-hmm. own culture and it's like just like one that you're interested in that's auxiliary. It's it's about connecting to that culture piece. So we realize that if we want to do service and justice to the people that use our app, we want and we want it to be valuable from day one, then part of the experience that's valuable is really rooting it in having people connect to the culture and providing context. Um, so wow. lessons that are super culturally driven are kind of the cornerstone of our learning experience. And then on the, on the contributor slash speaker slash teacher side, one thing that's really key for us is that people of these marginalized identities usually don't have the opportunity to be heard all the time and to influence their story and say their own story. And that's something that I've seen in history and I've learned about that makes mm-hmm. me really upset just like not really having control over your narrative um this is kind of something that I kind of like really come to understood during high school but we want to like build out a system that basically isn't just like us like asking what we want for like we don't I don't want to come to you with my western mindset and ask you these are the five words for like colors like red blue yellow green purple like because when you do that, you don't get to understand the cultural context that it's coming from. And you also don't get to understand the things that you wouldn't know when you're not coming from your own cultural perspective. Um, I guess, what's an example that I can use to like really elucidate this? Um, OK, um, yeah. So basically, I think it's an in Inuit culture that there's like many, I think there's like seven different words for snow. And each of these words for snow hmm. describes like a different type of snow interaction with snow, texture of snow. But if you come from a Western context where our word for snow is snow, then you don't really get to see that nuance and that depth of existence in snow. Hmm. So the reason why we take a story based approach for our translations is that we won't always know the right questions to ask to get to the root of someone's culture or the context behind something or even just like the simplicity of like, oh, maybe we don't have a word for blue, but like in America, I'm asking for the word blue. So like. So by using the stories people are going to speak naturalistically rather than just directly translating which means that we can pick up on pieces and words and contexts that we couldn't otherwise derive based wow. on like our fixed mindset
0: but yeah wow. and what do you think like is the, i would think that there's a very close tie also with the story telling aspect and the way that that translates to the cultural parts like what is the way that you're you're building these more cultural focused experiences because i yeah as you're saying that's like missing on a lot of platforms, I feel like that's that's very hard to build, so I want to know more about how you're approaching this.
1: Absolutely. Um, so uh, it's manifesting in a couple of different ways, def- a couple of different fidelities as well, but... Um, the first level is just people want access to these stories and don't always have the access to these stories. So one of our MVPs is just going to be publishing the stories of people that are interested in sharing the stories and allowing people to like see them. So you can see like what is the origin story of like the Abibio culture, Abibio tribe, etc. Um, when we go into actually building the lessons. Um, one of the things that we're considering is how do we make this an experience that is immediately useful to the person who's learning the language. And by that I mean sometimes when you go into a typical learning experience, it just starts you off with like letters and then you learn about shapes and then you start learning about apples and then you start learning about like numbers and you're like, wait, this is not helping me have the interaction with the culture that I want. Let's say I'm going to France. I want to go to France because I want to find a boyfriend. So maybe I should have a lesson yes! that is on um, flirting first. And I should have the, the freedom to like <gasps> access that. So oh one God. of the things that we want to do is have our lessons to be a little bit more modular and customizable. So you don't wow. just have to like follow like a basic, like, we told you what to do. I want people to be able to access what is useful to them when they want. So i um, wow. trying to still figure out how to do that best. But that's one of the pieces, making it personal. Um, The other piece is just that we want to infuse the culture and senses of the culture into the learning experience. So um, that kind of has to do with when you're talking about food, rather than just like saying okay well basic food that you learn in America is like apple, banana, grapes, so we're going to teach that. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to put the power in the hands of the storytellers to like tell us what are the things that are important. And then based on that, we'll wow. build out our lessons kind of informed from that cultural context. So if I was doing like a language, if I was doing like a lesson on a baby-o food, then I would probably start with things like, okay, have you ever heard of erika kong? Erika ikong is like this spinach-based mm. dish. Let's walk through the different ingredients that go into it um, and basically break wow. it apart, but in a way that's like teaching you about the culture and the food and the words all at once. Um, wow. So we're playing around with different different ways of teaching lessons that aren't just straight, like, flashcards. Like, maybe we will have, like, recipes that you can kind of go through and learn along the way. But um, we're really just trying to take the mindset of, language learning isn't just about the words, it's about the culture you're trying to connect to. What are the ways that we can, like, work with each culture on a one-on-one basis to make it rich and meaningful from day one instead of, like, six months down the line when you're fluent in the language. Wow,
0: when I get excited I tear up. You can see me tearing up oh. right now. Like I'm so, oh, I'm so like just funny. hearing the passion behind this is just crazy. And like right before this I was I was um telling my roommate about you and she's mm-hmm. actually the first live audience member because she can probably hear me screaming. There. <laughs> can you hear me? No response yet, but she's listening. Is it, is it Casey? Um, no, it's Jenna. Jenna. Jenna's okay, here, cool. but she was looking cool. up um, a website where you could basically like sync with a tutor from all over the world, anywhere you want, and do these lessons. Um, but I, it made me think also like how like that would just be such a cool opportunity to connect with someone, and this idea of connection is, and virtual life we're in, and like the idea that you're trying to build culture in a digital product, and not have this like mental model where you need to be in this location to learn mm-hmm. those aspects, and, and that just like breaks the barrier for people who want to learn new things or like learn more about like a language like you already know as well. So that's just so special and I've never, I've Thank never you. thought of things in that way and that being possible. So it's mind blowing, like it. it's so cool. Like, my tears are gone now, but I've, I've oh. told them to calm down, but it really, it's such a cool idea.
1: Thank you very much, hoping to do it justice. I think the key to that is honestly just like engaging these communities like from, from the get-go and like trying to listen to people. I think that that's kind of the crew of I think the culture that I wanna build for our company as well is just making this something that's not just built with like our perspective and like our like, this is how it's gonna be, but just like involving our communities from day one, speaking to people from day one, understanding like what do you want? Like why do you want this? How do you want to interact with this? It's kind of like the ethos we're trying to build upon so that it's not exploitative and it really only is building up the communities that we work with.
0: Wow, that's amazing. And while you're building all this, kind of we can like throw back to the beginning or kind of how you apply even like right now. Like I want to learn more about what you're doing to like raise your Series E and focus on wellness. Like do you have a current self-care routine right now or things that you incorporate into your day?
1: That is super real. Um, honestly, I would say that my self care is very different every single day because I am a person who is an experienced a holic. I'm always trying to do different things, but I think that one thing that I've gotten really good at is understanding like what are the different levers that I need in my life to make me feel happy, and mm. understanding what I need to pull on them. So like mm. one thing that like no matter what I really need to engage with and it's energizing and not tiring is like creativity and creation. So if yeah. I try to create something every single week, and that's just kind of like. <sighs> A thing that's not even like, like I hold myself to it in the sense of like uh, I need this to feel okay, mm-hmm. but honestly, it's not tiring. Even though it would kind of maybe sound tiring, um, yeah. but I think that like getting the chance to just like create, it's really invigorate, reinvigorating really for me. So my self care. Yeah. Is not always restful, but it is always satisfying. Like this week, I decided that I, I saw this really cool shirt that was on Pinterest that I tried to find forever, and then I found it. It was like five hundred dollars. So I'm just trying to sell it myself, and yes. um, it's it's it's. I'll show you. I'll show you pictures of it. It's actually in black and white, so it's very fitting with your aesthetic. But um, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make it. I hope it turns out well. That's my creative endeavor for the week. Some day some weeks it's writing that. a song, sometimes it's just painting. Usually never good if I'm painting. But like wow. engaging with creative energy is kind of I think my self care. I also really like baths, but
0: <laughs> I love that answer so much. And I think I've I yeah, I think of both ways and sometimes for me um, I'm just working too much. And I think that mainly goes with like being on screens all the time. So I think yeah. I notice that even more where I'm like might be more exhausted the next day because I've been on a screen so much. But I think the idea of creative energy and nurturing that as part of self-care is just so important. And I've got a lot of people are like, how do you create this much? How do you do this? Like, I have no idea. Do you rest do this? And I'm like, I spend so much time like focusing on experience and surrounding mm-hmm. myself with new things and people, well, That's people so in, non, in non-COVID times, but, you know, virtually yeah. <laughs> connecting um but that's that's very great perspective to kind of look at things and also i feel like it eliminates that pressure with like Mm -hmm. creating something that needs to be like a product or an end game um at the end of that week
1: that is so real and i think that that's the thing that i'm still kind of like working through but kind of getting back to the ethos of creation for yourself not in a selfish way but Mm. in like but just in a way of like i'm creating because it gives me joy And I'm not thinking about, like, how do I monetize it or how many people are listening or how many people are liking it. When that stuff happens, it's cool. But, like, just, like, my music is because I have these feelings and I want to put it out. So how do I, like, strip away the mindset that, like, it's a performance and keep it for me? Mm -hmm. And I think that, like, the times that I have noticed that these methods of self-care aren't super invigorating or when I've, like, gotten too much into the It needs to be good enough for to put on Spotify so that people like it and then people will share it and then I'll make a lot of money. And then it gets like really, really stressful and I'm like, it's not good enough. But um, one thing I've constantly been, I'm still working on it, but trying to remind myself is like, I create this music because I feel things and Mm. my next step in my creative journey is sharing it, but Mm. I should share it authentically. And I should share it where it is. And I should share it honestly. So if mm-hmm. I don't sound like Celine Dion, it, I'm not <laughs> Celine Dion. <laughs> if the words aren't perfect, but they're my words, then okay. they're my words. And I and I hope that people will like them. But at the end of the day, if I like have to like fine tune it so much that I'm not speaking with my own voice, yeah. then that's no longer self care. So I've really been working on just being like, this is my voice. This is yeah. This is what I sound like. It might not be perfect, but this is my voice. And wow. reminding myself that it's for me. Um,
0: yeah. Wow. I am the luckiest person to be witnessing and recording. Hopefully, it all works. This <laughs> conversation. Like, you need to write books about this because uh, uh, <laughs> this is such a. I'm serious. Like, this is such a great perspective, and I, I really have never heard it. Like, wow. Really? I'm, I'm shook. You. Like, I don't even know what to ask next.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, ha- I'm happy that. Let me go to <laughs> Maybe I can share it from my mind palace that I've been trying to build. I think that, honestly, this COVID season has also been, like, a time of, like, intense, like, sitting with myself and, like, thinking about uh-huh. these things a lot. So these are yeah. all new thoughts to me, too. But um, yeah. I'm happy to be on this journey. And I'm happy that I get to, like, share it with you and talk with you and chat with you and, like, Ooh. creatively creatively inspire and grow with you. It's really exciting.
0: Yeah, like, tonight I'm not going to be able to sleep. It's, like, 8.45, and after this, like, any time after I record, it could be, like, 4 p.m., and I'm just, like so so high off energy and like it's gonna be a lot but I'm I'm very happy I get to get to chat and talk about this the energy high is worth it it's worth it yay yay oh that's <laughs> no sleep is worth it beautiful. Um, I'm also
1: so excited that like this is an energizing to you because yeah, yeah it just kind of shows like your passion and your your like like your your sincerity and like honesty
0: in it it's, it's beautiful Aww. I'm so excited I get to thank be part you. of your journey thank you I wonder how many times we have both been like, oh, I'm so excited! I'm so excited! <laughs> it feels so good. It feels so good to be talking and to be sharing ideas and transferring that energy. It's just, it's just great. All it right. is. It really is. Okay, back to this this yes. self care um, yes. that we've been talking about. I want to know when you were so this was in March when you kind of first mm-hmm. began this idea for eco. What was it like balancing this idea um, and building this with while you were in school or in the summer? Now you're in a new phase as well. Like, what has this balance been like for you, and how have you kind of handled it? yeah um
1: honestly honestly that's a that's a really good question and i'm gonna i'm gonna take a second to even think back to where i was because i know it was a really emotional time
0: yeah
1: huh so i think that honestly i would also say that when i started working on eco i think it has been one of the things that's kind of helped me to stay afloat in the Mm -hmm. midst of everything that's been inconstant. Um, I guess it started with just, like, moving home. That was kind of scary, but it was it ended up being really beautiful and a chance to connect with my family and my my parents. But, like, I think that, like, it's kind of funny because ecos played a different role in my life in each of these stages of the pandemic, so it's really it's really funny to keep, fun fun to keep building on this. But, like, when I first got home, I was really, really scared. I was scared of, uh, what's it like living with my family again? Well, but also, like, what's it like balancing school? What's it like doing school in a home context? What's it like doing school during a pandemic? So there's just all of these questions that were rushing around. And I realized that it was gonna be hard. It was gonna be really hard. Um, Mm -hmm. But eco became this thing that I kind of built my quarter around because I guess I just really wanted to, I, I felt like I'd spent a lot of my Stanford time like running off on like small little tangents but not really like feeding myself and I wanted to like Mm. have my Stanford experience like at at the end of it all just feed myself and that's why I ended up taking oh I started doing this as like my PD capstone class which was like a big chunk of my quarter but then I also was taking an art class to like creatively engage and then I uh, took a machine learning class so I could learn more about like the work that I hope to do with eco so um at first it was kind of just like slow moving like How do I make my school converge with my passions so that, like, I can, like, keep going and just, like, keep this one thing on my mind? Um, And I was really deep into it, but as I was working on it and as it started becoming a real thing, it kind of became the way that I started connecting outwards in the midst of a world where connection was hard. So it started encouraging deeper conversations about culture and upbringing with my parents. I learned a lot about them I didn't even know. From working on Eco and having to ask the serious questions while working mm. on this platform, it also became a way that I connected to the um, Vivio. There's actually a small. There was a small Avivio community at Stanford. Uh, well, not really a formal community, but just like there was like four or five of us, which is crazy because wow. we're a pretty small tribe. But um, I connected with my members of the Evivo community, and we started talking about this idea. Um, also for context. Eco is not only for Abibio; it's for all global languages. But we are starting with Abibio, my home language. What we hope to be uh, supporting a lot of uncommon languages. So basically, Eco became this thing that was like really exciting because I got to engage in exciting conversations with my uh, Abibio friends at Stanford, and just with people that were interested in languages at Stanford. And just it became a way to like start connecting to new people. And I think I made a lot of friendships during that first phase of um, of. The pandemic then we came into i think it was around may when the blm all of that started happening again and i was in this really weird place of like how do i support people and support the movement during this time and i think that during that time eco was also supportive to me because it was kind of the way that i felt like i was able to give back to my community and also kind of like fight against some of these systemic wrongs that are perpetuating in a myriad of ways. Not to say that um, language death directly ties to police brutality, but I kind of viewed this in the context of the BLM movement and my personal journey with my blackness as a way to kind of like take back something that has been taken from me, uh, being a little bit honest. Just like colonialism has had a ravaging impact on places like Nigeria. We have to prioritize the English language and English culture, and it does a lot of erasure to our cultures and stuff. So Mm -hmm. um, this was kind of like one of my ways of being resistant and being black and proud in the midst of everything that was going on, even though it wasn't on the front lines. I did go on the front lines a little bit, but um, this was another way that I kind of felt like, you know what, like, there's all these societal systemic wrongs but like this is a piece that i'm going to take back for myself and a piece i'm going to take back from my community and a piece i want to use to empower my community so that's how i stayed active before graduated. i need to yes, tell you well, just to this is yes. this,
0: your work is 100 on the front lines it's 100 on the front lines what Thank so you. whatever maybe you're you're thinking it it it's might not be directly related to things but i think it's so directly related and it's doing such impactful things and it's great to just hear about the trajectory and the self-awareness that you have and I want to let you continue sharing but I just wanted to say that's on the front lines I need to correct you because it is
1: (laughs) thank you thank you I I I really appreciate that I think it's kind of like this also like uh, I'm gonna switch tangents for a second but there's (laughs) always this problem or this question of like what am I working on and is it worth it and is it impactful? And I think that this is like one of those questions that always rings in my mind. Like, am I working on the right problem? So um, number one, your words really helped to validate that feeling for me. But um, yeah, it's always a question. It's always a question when it comes to things like entrepreneurship and ingenuity. But um, yeah, yeah, this was really useful for me. I'm going through those experiences and feeling like I was participating in my communities and supporting my communities um mid-pandemic it was the thing that kept me afloat kept me excited kept me talking to people and connecting I also Mm -hmm. grew a lot during the summer um and slowly we started to actually like build out a community so I'm no longer alone in this venture I have two engineers who are on my exec team um Abby and Danny and they're incredible also have a small so yeah no they're so cool and it's so cool it's kind of crazy seeing a team happen and, and it's beautiful mm-hmm. kind of getting to participate in everybody's journeys in eco. But um, built out the eco crew, who is our volunteer squadron that is rotating. So um, I could talk a bit more on that later, but um, basically like people can work on a project-by-project basis in building up this system for community-built, community-supported. Wow. Um, and then um, wow. ecosystem, which is people that want to learn and speak languages, but um, have just basically been like building up like these different circles of support and mentors. And I think that this is one of the reasons that I've been able to feel so connected and happy and alive during this pandemic. So I'm always grateful That's for it, no matter where it lands. It's, just, it's, been, it's been amazing. Incredible.
0: And when you're bringing, I guess we can touch on that, like when you're bringing in um, these new people and they're working on, you say, from project um, to project basis, like what is it like building new features or new versions? Can you share with us, like what's to come possibly soon as yeah. far as features or what, what your biggest focus is?
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Thank you for asking it. Um, so right now, we, um, as I mentioned, we have like a multi-step application, and we're also going with a multi-step build, just because our pieces in our system are highly contingent upon each other. So the first build that we've really been focused on for over the past few months has been Eco, the features of Stories. Um, but basically, it's an application that people can share their stories and their, um, and help work, work on translations in uncommon mm-hmm. languages, starting with the BBL. Um, we're building this out, um, number one, because we want to be able to. Number one, we need data, we need stories, we need words. Those. This is the documentation that hasn't happened yet, that needs to happen. So, very soon, we will be launching Eco Stories, and people will be able to submit their stories, their words, and their sentences to Eco. Wow. Um, we're also trying to think about what are the best ways that we can help this to be an experience that's not just like throwing throwing words and stories into like the deep, but how can we help the people that are sharing their stories to also connect with the community? So that's something that we've kind of been working on. Um, really important part of that is building out a community. We're trying to figure out what are the ways that we can like build natural communities around language learning. And we've been speaking to community leaders. Um, we've been speaking to Akisan Youth Group. We've been speaking to different Instagram pages, but just trying to figure out like where are the people? How can we bring people to our ecosystem? Something that's really important is that in order to have the documentation to be sufficient to build out our translations we need to have a critical mass of it so our first efforts are going to be on building out building out a community that can kind of i guess interface with our application and kind of start sharing stories and getting us getting us to the and final end product
0: that is a very digestible and clear explanation to me but we need i need cool. to ask oh, this big yes, question yes i might work in tech but I need to understand how machine learning works on your platform, like how would you describe it? Um, How did you even, I literally don't even understand how it could create what you're trying to create because it seems so complex to me. So is there any way that you could like outline how the machine learning works and the basics? for someone like me okay. who works in tech. <laughs> I'll,
1: I'll try to... <laughs> no, I feel it. Because honestly, like, there are so many words in tech. There's, like, all the blockchains and the crypto. and There's, there's a lot. There's a lot. Um, I can't go too deep into it just because um, it... It's the it's secret, sauce. Of, it's the it's secret, secret sauce. sauce. It's the secret sauce. It's the secret sauce. It's the secret sauce. But um, I guess it comes down to... Uh, I, I guess I think of it like a puzzle. So... Mm-hmm. Or, like, like, one of those, like... Um, mm, like a I'm trying to think what's like the right analogy, but imagine you have you know those Mad Libs. Yes. Yes. So there's all the words that we know, and then there's blanks. Um. Basically, we're working with the stories that have like just a bunch of text in the uncommon language,
0: and we're working on filling in the blanks. That's so interesting. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. It's just I've never ta- I've never learned about machine learning or, like, taken in a class. I, I have, like, genius friends like you and other people who no. are just working in machine no. learning. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what are you doing? I really want to learn more. I'm like, oh, my God.
1: No, <laughs> honest to God, I, like, I'm kind of in the machine learning place, but I'm still figuring it out. I think that, honestly, the amount of machine learning that I know, like, I, I, I'm fluent enough to understand, like, what's possible and how to work with it, but I'm also working yeah. with really talented engineers and mentors that yes. are helping me, like, answer the questions on the day-to-day and, like, build up my Series E, build up my knowledge so that we can kind of build this out. Um, so, yeah, I guess I would say it's, like, it's still a learning process. There's a lot of complexities to to it, but, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's very complex I don't think any given person can understand everything that's happening in ML, but it's really cool. And if you want to like deep dive geek out on ML, I I would be down to share what I know with you in more depth.
0: Wow. Okay. So I want to know, um, you kind of shared the trajectory of eco and what it meant to you. I want to know like if maybe one highlight that meant a lot to you across the time of building eco that kind of aligned with you feeling really great and happy about what you're doing.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And oh, it's hard because there's been a lot of them. Um, let me let me mentally try and break it down to my top to my top one or two. Um, I guess I would say one of the first moments that was really really uh, exciting and meaningful to me was when I we were just I was invited to pre- to present Ico at the Whipsaw Design Showcase. Um, basically, there was this really cool showcase that was like. Um, seven, I think it was, I think there was seven of us, but they basically were like, we want to feature what the future of design looks like. And they chose a few different people across studying design in the United States to present to um, a few. To Keyword, project. a
0: few. And you were one of the few.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was terrifying. And honestly, I still feel lucky that that was an experience that I got to have. But I think that that was a really cool experience, not only because I got to like share on what we were doing and share about our story, but also because it kind of gave me hope for the future of like design and culture and tech. Um, it was really exciting to see that like hopefully the future of design and tech is one that's gonna be inclusive and is focused on amplifying marginalized voices. So this was kind of a time where I was like, this, this feels like an acknowledgement that like there's room to grow And we can be part of that vision. So that was one of the things that kind of made me see this as like this is not just like a school project where I'm like exploring Mm -hmm. language, but this is something that the world needs. And I think that that's one of the reasons that I kept building on this, building onto this project. Another meaningful moment, but that's kind of like a continuous meaningful moment was in the early stages, and and I go back to the early days because they're kind of what really set the pace for us. But um, when I was speaking to community members and doing User, user interviews just to like see, like, is this valid? How would you like it? What do you want? And mm. every single person that I spoke to um, from the older generation, because that was kind of who I started speaking to first. But um, my mom, my grandma, who only speaks to Vivio, my aunties and my uncles. And uh, aunties and uncles aren't related to me, but in Nigerian culture, basically anyone who's older than you is an auntie or an uncle. So um, every time I had one of these interviews, they would be like, It would always end with like thank you this is so exciting this is so needed this is what we've been waiting for like please please like listen to our voices but use this like let this be real and i think that that was really it's the reason i'm doing this honestly just being able to support my community that's given so much and worked so hard and done so much to get us to where we are they've created the foundation for something like eco to even exist. So, mm-hmm. getting to feel like wow, this is something that my community really really wants and I can help to I can make my aunties and my uncles and my mom and my dad happy and proud and feel like crossing oceans and dealing with all of the challenges that they dealt with is worth it so that this can exist. It's honestly what keeps me working on this every day. I know it's yeah. kind of hard with everything that's going on, but yeah. I just feel like this is something that my community needs, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to wait for somebody to come down from the sky and do it. So, yeah, <laughs> let's That's, go. Yeah, Let's go. Yeah. I am waving let's both my this. hands let's this.
0: to support that. Let's go. Thank you. I love that. Thank That's you. That's amazing. And I, okay, if we're talking about all these great things about Eco, we need to know what's coming next. Ooh. I guess this episode yes. is coming out in the beginning of February. So, yes. I want to know um, what's coming out, what's going on with eco and what can people look forward to?
1: Yeah, so um, we are relatively early stage, but we are officially nearing the launch of our crowdfunding campaign. Um, We're using this crowdfunding campaign to support our engineering and design and uh, research. It's expensive. So we're using this crowdfund to support that initial development. We have been building out, but um, we kind of need to next level it. So that's where most of our funding is going to be going. But this is also going to be kind of like our first real public debut slash community build. Again, one of the biggest things about eco is that it's highly contingent upon being able to engage our uh, our communities and have people's voices and stories living in our experience. So this is like kind of when we're going to be unveiling to the world and opening our gates. So um, check out our crowdfund. Um, if you support us at uh, most of our tiers, you'll get early access to our experience. You get the uh, opportunity to share stories, access wow. to stories that exist so far. So, um, that is what is on our radar. We're going to be launching our crowdfund on February 1st. So, stay tuned for that.
0: Let's go. Yeah. I was going to say if you're watching this anywhere, um, the yes. video, I was also obsessing over your sweatshirt now. Thank and then we'll also be part Thank of the crowdfunding.
1: This will also be available on our crowdfunding campaign. So if you're interested, check us out. Our website is www.IKO.community. Um, but yeah, we're going to be launching our crowdfund. That's our big our big first step, our big step into the world. Um, and um, in addition to that, we're going to be launching EcoStories soon. So people will wow. be able to participate and share. Um, but yeah, people with early access will be the people that participate in our crowdfund. So that's that is what to stay tuned for. Is that English? Wow. That's English.
0: Yes. Totally. That's amazing. That's so exciting.
1: Wow. Thank you. It's yes. really exciting. It's busy, but exciting.
0: You're such a amazing and creative person and you've tapped into so many different things. What kind of advice would you give to anyone who's looking to start their first idea or start their um, first company?
1: Absolutely. Um, That's a really, really good question because it's something that kind of, I think, guided my Stanford experience and is one of the reasons why I feel like I'm in this place of feeling so happy and satisfied with it. But do it. Just figure out what you want and do it. Don't wait for a system or a class or a teacher or anything to give you permission to do it. But just do it. And you're going to... There's nothing wrong... You can never lose if you just take the step out to start building your own personal experiences based on what you want and i would say i've worked on a lot of ideas they don't always work but not n- there's no amount of learning that is greater than that that comes from like your own personal like you know what i want this to exist i'm gonna do it i want these skills i'm gonna do it
0: wow yeah. do it i see my eyes tearing my oh, up again there yes, they go, oh my gosh, there they go. Sh- that's so oh. special Oh, uh, crying crying literally crying and did you know the phrase crying okay um, I'm crying I as a final thing or one of the final things to share um, what is a resource that have helped you find balance whether that's nurturing your creative energy or mm-hmm. some other um, idea of this balance and wellness that you'd want to share with anyone
1: that's a really great question um, where do I start because there's a lot of different ways you could go about answering that um, so in finding balance, I think that one of the biggest things that has been really meaningful to me in terms of like being able to navigate all the different variables that come at you from different angles is having like support networks and support systems. And that is both people, but it's also yourself. So for a myself perspective, it has to do with like my daily or weekly like gratitude. What are the three things I'm grateful for today? What are the three things I'm looking forward to? And I always try to sink back to that. And I think that having that be built into my self-care and my weekly routine has been one of the reasons why I'm able to get a really good read. I'm like, oh, I am exhausted, and I need to take a break. Um, calibrating my, like, wow, I'm really excited about this, or hey, I'm spending most of my time next week doing like these three things but it's not one of the things that I'm grateful for or excited for maybe I need to recalibrate so just having mm-hmm. like like a mental check-in of like a hey what are the three things I'm grateful for and what are the three things I'm looking forward to helps me to get a really good eye on how I'm doing and what I want and even if the thing I'm looking forward to is taking a nap on Wednesday because I have a, a shorter day then it's like a oh Maybe that's a sign that I need to, like, press the brakes a little bit. So that's my personal accountability. And then the I guess my external accountability has just been, like, my people. Making sure that I create space in my life for my people. I think that, like, sometimes it's, it's really hard and it's really tiring. But honestly, it's really, really invigorating when you get to connect with a person that you vibe with and get to share energy. This conversation mm-hmm. with you is part of that. But... Um, sometimes it's the thing of like, a, okay, people that are like close to you can like check on you, but sometimes it's even just like a, we're sitting together, we're not talking to each other, we're no. just watching Netflix, but getting to feel the energy of the people that I love is something that yeah. I think helps me to get through these times that are weird and hard, so yeah, yeah, that's, I guess that's that, it. Wow,
0: thank you for sharing both of those, I do a similar thing with writing gratitude, and that helps me stay focused and, and kind of just reevaluate things as well, and I love the, second, the second aspect as well, internal, external, Wow, too good. Yeah. To close off, I'm sad yes, we're, we're done with off. this episode. Um, can you shout out Eco and everywhere that someone can find the Instagram website, um, crowdfunding, anything that you'd want to share for people to go look for and follow and engage with?
1: Yes, yeah. Um, we are existing on different platforms. So please be sure to check us out at our website, www.iko.community. Um, fun fact eco is in the Bibio word that means like to talk or to chat or can, to connect. So, um, yeah, but on um, www.eco.community and on Instagram at ecoiko.community and at Facebook. Um, I believe our, our Facebook is also eco.community. So, consistent across if you want to send us an email, want to share your thoughts, want to get involved please send me an email to ania at eco.community. That is and it's in Nancy, I-E-A, at eco.community. And then um, we will be launching a crowdfund on ifundwomen.com. So stay tuned for that.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you for having me. This has been really fun. This has been so like energizing and invigorating. Thank you.
0: I wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of Series E. I hope you enjoyed Ania's story, and hope you can go support Eco by following Eco on Instagram, supporting their crowdfunding campaign if it is still live when you're listening to this, and just doing anything you can to support the idea. I think it's amazing and it's so impactful, and I can't wait to see what is to come for Eco. If you enjoyed the return of Series E. I'm excited for future guests and just great things to come and new ideas. It's just so special to create this space to be able to share these ideas and speak about these stories. Oh my God. I'm just like amazed by what this medium is and how great I feel afterwards and how impactful it is and how much you can really dive deep into a story, which is so special. So I hope you also get to support Series E. If you listen to this, you're at this point now, post a screenshot or share on to your Instagram stories and tag at Series E Podcast. Make sure to follow on Instagram. And if you want to follow me, you can follow me at as well. Everything is in the show notes for you. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope you find time to put some Series E into your week. Welcome back to Series E, everyone.